You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hey, um, two years ago, Janet and I were at the uh, dedication service of a new C3 building in Sydney, and, uh, and the parliamentarian and the, and the treasurer, Scott Morrison, was asked to address the crowd. And I'm telling you, this man is a spirit-filled, committed Christian. There is no doubt about it. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this because God has started shifting something in the natural. Listen to me. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been a stellar year for Christianity in Australia with so many things taking place and leaders making certain decisions. And they never would have expected, you know, the, the, the news and the media is saying, this is the prime minister that would have never gotten voted in. Well, I'm telling you, when God's on your side, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. And God has just... It's almost like God has tricked them. He has engineered for this to happen and to take place because as the Bible says, God raises up kings and he takes them out. And so God has placed this new prime minister, Scott Morrison, in there for us for a time such as this. And I believe that it's a time for the atmosphere in the nation to change. In, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says this, Therefore I, I exhort... Uh, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. We could say for prime ministers and for everyone else who is in authority. We're going to do that right now. We're going to pray for our new prime minister because I believe right across this nation, there'll be Christians starting to get ready for God to do something. Because as God shifts things in the natural, it usually means he's shifting things in the spiritual. So I want you to join with me. I want you to raise your voice. I don't want to just lead you in prayer. I want to pray with you. Because he said for all of us to pray for kings and those in authority. So we want to pray for God's purpose, God's blessing, God's outcome on this as he has, as he has produced this. This is God's will. There is no doubt about it. So come on, church. Raise your voice right now. Let's pray for our new prime minister, Scott Morrison that the hand of God will be upon him, not only in decisions. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. God, we thank you for a righteous man in position to bring this nation back to you. God, we thank you that he hears your voice. God, we thank you he is filled with your spirit. God, we thank you that he lives according to your word. So God, we pray today protection. We pray covering. We pray boldness. We pray power. We pray anointing on this man of God, that God, your way, your will, your purposes will prevail in this great nation. God, we are here for such a time as this. You have raised this man up for such a time as this. And we say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Hey, listen, I want you to stay standing. I want you to carry this kind of boldness into what we're about to do. You know, we're, we're just so committed to spirit and truth. We're passionate about spirit and truth. And so we will set aside a service where you can get in touch with the spirit of God. You can hear the truth and you can have an encounter with him. My conviction today is that that encounter is available for every one of us. Everyone, everyone. Doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. Now, I'm not excusing anything. I'm just making great of the grace of God. That the grace of God is here that is greater than all of our sin. You know, and, and God's grace is ready to pour out on us here today. And I want you to come with expectancy. 
I want you to come with hands and hearts wide open. I want you to believe that God wants to speak fresh today, that God wants to touch you. My conviction is this. It has been far too long for some of us to cry out for revival. I think we've settled into the normal ruts and we've gotten into church and just think normality is the way it is. I'm telling you, God has more than that for us. Whether you get it today or not is not up to God. Whether you get it today is not up to some fantastic preacher. He's not too bad. Whether you get it today is not up to a band, even though they're great. Whether you get it today is up to your heart to want it. You don't have to be sinless. You just have to be passionate. And I want to encourage you as we begin to sing that you press into God. Because I believe that God's got something for everyone here today. Wherever you are at. This is the beauty of the Word of God. You know, He can take it like seed and He can scatter it. And it might say one thing to somebody else, but it'll, it'll just be a different kind of seed to another person. You need something to grow in your heart and life today. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you, you're very close to being lukewarm. Very close. Today is a day to get fired up. It's time to get fired up. I believe God hasn't just engineered things in the nation. I believe he's engineered things for you and me here today. Because it is time. It is time for a suddenly of God. And I want you to not hold back, but I want you to receive in any way. I really get the distinct conviction, and this is going to make you uncomfortable, that he's going to do some uncomfortable things in here today. That he's going to turn this, what you think is a church service, into just a rowdy kind of encounter time where anything could happen. And I mean anything. Anything godly, that is. So I want you to close your eyes. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you think you're holy enough or not. Just put your hands out before him. Because it's a posture that says, Father, I'm coming to you because I know you're good. And you give good gifts to your children who ask. Just creating space today to experience God. You know, life can just get hectic. Life can get filled with all kinds of things. And before you know it, you find yourself at the end of the day or the end of the week. And there's been no real meaningful relational connection with God. I mean, I have days like that. I get to the end of the day and go, oh my goodness, I didn't even spend time, quality time with him. We deliberately set this aside so we can do that. Because when you do that, things begin to happen. Things begin to shift. Things that, that, that are kind of binding us begin to break off of us. This is one of those moments. I, I want us to press in and make the most of this. Why don't you just have a seat real quick? I'm just going to share the word with you real quick just to get us ready. Because we're not finished with this. This, this, was, this was just the beginning. We're, we're nowhere close to finish with this. Because I, I believe as we wait in His presence, there are going to be moments where we experience him in specific ways. And some of us today need to experience his power. Some of us need to experience his goodness. Some of us need to experience breakthrough. Some of us need to experience assurance. Whatever it is, God is here. He's in the house and he's ready to meet in that kind of way. But one of the most important things we can do right now is to posture ourselves, position ourselves to meet with him. 
And that takes place when we realize that encounter is actually our heritage. This is what the church began in. The church was born in a moment of encounter. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, Luke the historian writes and he says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. In other words, God's timing was just right. And I believe just as it is the right timing of God in our nation, I believe it is the right timing of God for us here today. Time had fully come. That says God is in control of time. Don't let it surprise you what happens in time. They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly, some of us need a suddenly moment today. You've been waiting, you've been crying out to God, you've been expecting, you've been asking, you've been trying to listen, nothing. Well, today's your suddenly. Because God does move when He's ready, not just when we're ready. And He moves when He has us ready. That's important. Suddenly. And I believe God has engineered to get you ready today. Even if you didn't think so. Just like the nation was totally appalled and unaware at what was going on in politics. I think some Christians just get totally caught unaware. Oh, my goodness. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God invaded their space, and He made His presence known. There is no doubt about it. While the birth of the church only happened once in history, it will never happen again. Experiencing His special presence is a continuum. It repeats over and over. All you got to do is look through the book of Acts and you're going to see all kinds of encounters continuing in individuals, in cities, in churches, in all kinds of situations. It's something that never stops. Like, for instance, go past chapter 2. Chapter 3 begins with a lame man healed in public. Chapter 4, there's a, there's a prayer meeting taking place that literally shakes the building and the people are filled with the Spirit. Chapter 5, there is an angelic encounter where the angel of God releases people from prison and gives them a message to preach. Now, pause on that one for a minute. I don't know if you've ever had an angelic visitation and you think the people who do are weird. They've got a little office down on the lake called Angels on the Lake and that kind of abides in the setting of New Ageism. New Ageism is only stealing what God has done. The Bible says in Hebrews, some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. I remember one day we, we installed a new associate pastor over at Wyala, and he was green, he was untrained, everything, and his preaching was, let's say, less than average. But I, he, I didn't hire him for preaching, I hired him for other things because he was so good at other things. But I remember I was going to let him preach on the day he was installed, and I'm going, oh, Jesus, help him. And I remember looking at him when he stood up to preach. And I kid you not, I saw a golden image of a being around him. I shut my eyes and wiped my eyes and went, what the? Opened my eyes, and there it was again. And it was there the whole time he preached. As soon as he finished preaching, gone. So I said to him, Bob, did you sense, and he preached different. I said, did you, pre did you sense something different today when you were preaching? He goes, yeah, I don't know what happened. I felt like somebody was doing something to me, making me better than I am. Here you go. 
Now, I'm not saying go look for angels. You don't have to. They're here. They're here. The angel of the Lord surrounds and camps around those who fear him. You've probably been spared so many times by that presence that you don't even know about. And you think it was just good luck, good fortune. That was God. Chapter 5, an angel shows up in the prison, speaks to the disciples. Here's the message. Go back out and and preach it. Chapter 6, Stephen did signs among the people out in the streets. Chapter 7, Stephen gets a vision of heaven and Jesus standing there. Chapter 8, encounters in Samaria. Chapter 9, Saul's vision of Jesus and then his healing happens. Chapter 10, encounters in the home of Cornelius. All are filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Chapter 11, tangible evidence of the grace of God in the city. Chapter 12, Peter's rescued from prison by an angel. Chapter 13, Saul and Barnabas in the city of Cyprus, so powerful that the city official believes in God. Chapter 14, signs and wonders in Iconium and in Lystra, a a crippled man is healed. Chapter 16, the vision of the man from Macedonia. The the church is birthed for the first time into Europe and and, and he's born in the middle of of a prison where God sets them free again. And that's just chapter 16. You could keep going. Encounters are the normal way of living as a Christian. So when's the last time you've had one? That's beyond just, I felt good when I read the word. That's a good thing. But something beyond that. Let's go back to Acts 2 for a minute. Because the birth of the church, we see that there's no doubt that his presence was there. You know, we can stand up front and go, oh, God is in the place. And you go, really? Is he? And you might quote the verse where two or three are gathered in his name. He's there. I I don't think that is a theological statement. It's meant to be an experiential statement. It's not that I just know God shows up when we're together. It's I experience God when we're together. Better than I can do alone. And you see, the sights, the sounds, the experiences of Pentecost were tangible. Literally tangible. You you might not know this, but, you know, we at times have had people show up from different kind of backgrounds. And I had a lady come up to me after a service one day and said, "I, I, I don't know what it is about this place, but there's an aura here. She was, she was into channeling and Wicca and New Age and all that stuff. And I said, tell me about the aura. She, she described it, what we would talk about presence. And I said, sweetheart, that's, that's not a, a mythical power. That's God Almighty. He was here today. There's no doubt that God was so real that everyone who was in that room had an encounter with God. Not one missed out. There was 120 people gathering together. They were praying. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit sat on each one of them. And it was so real. Listen to me. How is it that 120 people have an encounter with God and thousands know about it? We know at least 3,000 believed. How many more saw it and didn't believe? Because it was real. There was no doubt. And I believe God's Spirit wants to move in special ways today that is going to be evident and there'll be no doubt and you need to know though when it happens it's not meant to be contained in a room And, and this room is used for all kind of things but today this is the house of God Jacob laid down in a desert place used a rock for a pillow and he said surely this is the house of God why? because God was there but what, it, what it's going to take, guys, before the, the, the encounter occurred at Pentecost, the stage was set. 
It doesn't just happen. The stage was set because the disciples were preparing themselves for something to happen. They didn't know exactly what, but they knew something was happening. It was coming. And they would know when it happened. And we know from chapter 1, particularly verse 14, they were praying together. They were in a prayer meeting. They were praying together, but it wasn't the prayer of petition. Oh, God, we need. Oh, God, would you? Oh, God, could you? Oh, God, help us. It wasn't the prayer of petition. It was a prayer of expectation. Expectation created the atmosphere for what happened. Listen to me. They anticipated God to show up and do something beyond the ordinary. And the phrase that's used throughout the book of Acts, they were with they were all together with one accord. It literally means they were like-minded, like spirit, like heart. They had the same passion. There was something they were thinking about together that was the same that was going to happen. It's interesting. You get to chapter 15, verse 25, and it's translated, they were in complete agreement. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 133 says that unity releases the anointing blessing of God. And it's not just unity that, oh, yeah, we're all Christians, but it's a unity of agreement. Yeah, God's going to do something. We know that. And in Acts chapter 2, you see them waiting, praying passionately for the gift that Jesus spoke to them about. It wasn't, will you give us? It's, come on, we're ready to receive this. We're waiting for this. We're doing what you said. We are waiting and we are believing and we are receiving. Not just waiting, not just believing. We're receiving. You know, some people are afraid to receive what God wants to give them. He, he might do something that makes me nervous. Hallelujah. That just says he's bigger than you. That just says he's in control. That just says he's God. You know, when the revival happened in Toronto, a Baptist pastor went and investigated it. A guy named Guy Chevreau. And he observed it until all of a sudden he found himself in it. You can stand back and observe, or you can jump in. And he said, you know, I can't explain everything, but I do know this. Sometimes when the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, some unnatural things happen. It's not natural to fall down. It's not natural to just start weeping for nothing. It's not natural for people to shake. It's not natural for people to have visions and dreams. It's not natural for you to speak in tongues. But neither is it natural for God to pour out His Spirit on you, but He still does it because He loves us and He promised. So here they are in total agreement that the Father had promised the Holy Spirit. He's about to come upon you, and you're going to receive a power you have never known in your life. And that power is not just a one-off. It will be resident, and it will be in you, and it will be through you forever. So get yourself ready. Suddenly, as they're waiting, suddenly, as they're expecting, suddenly, as they're receiving and believing, boom, the Holy Spirit fell. That's the language that Luke uses. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And I believe that God wants to invade this place with his presence right now. One person said, yeah. That doesn't sound like agreement to me. Why don't you stand to your feet? Because here's the deal. Regardless of what I think, what I feel, what I know or don't know, God said 
that we could ask, we could seek, we could knock, and he will answer and we will receive. God said, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, I will fill you. God said, I I promise you that if you'll come to me, I'm going to give you rest. God said, if you put your trust in me, I will direct your paths. I'll speak to you. I'll tell you what's next. God said, I will give you keys to the kingdom to unlock things on planet earth. God said, I will give you confidence that everything I've begun in you, I'm going to complete totally. And God said that if you come to me, I will not turn you away. Come on, let's just stretch out our hands right now. I want to turn this auditorium into a meeting place. I I want to believe and expect the Holy Spirit to stir up within every one of us a desire for more of Him. I, I want to believe that He's putting hope within our hearts, that expectation... Our expectation of of touching God and being touched by God, His power, His love, His grace is about to be loosed in this place. Don't be a spectator today. Be an expectator today. Don't just watch. Receive. There's enough faith and agreement here to fill this place with encounters. So here's what we're going to do. We're not in a theater right now. We are in the house of God. I am opening this altar for anybody and everybody who wants more of God, who is hungry for God, to let God do whatever He wants to do, to seek Him with all your heart. Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind, I strain forward to what's before, reaching for more of Him. And I want to turn this altar into a place where people are seeking Him and finding Him and touched by Him. How long has it been since you have been on your knees or on your face or, or in the presence of God overwhelmed by His goodness? Make this the time. We're making space. You can be in, look, get out of your seats. Kneel down. Get in the aisles. Make this place a mess right now as the Holy Ghost begins to move. Come on, let's sing again and believe. You begin to move. Come to the altar. I had another point. I'm not going to preach it. Can I just get you to put it up, Mike? That second point. If that's okay. Can you hear me, Mike? I know he's behind glass. Um, Go to the second point. Because encounter will oftentimes happen in the face of opposition. Is it up there? Oh, it is up there. Good. My screen doesn't have it. Encounter will happen. You know, in Acts chapter 4, they were threatened. Things were going sweet. Man, the church was now, by this stage, well over the 5,000 men, the Bible says. We're not sure if that includes women and children. Well over 5,000 men. So the authorities are getting nervous. They call them in. They threaten them. You've got to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. You know what they did? They got themselves into a place of prayer, not for safety, but for opportunity. Just go that next one. Because it unlocked boldness. Oftentimes when we think of encounter, we think of a warm cocoon, a womb, a a nice place. Sometimes it's in the face of encounter uh, where opposition is happening. And you know what? I don't have time to read it, but you know, they didn't go away and pray. Oh God, protect us. Oh God, make us safe. Oh God, they're trying to harm us. You know what they said? Oh God, give us opportunity. Opportunity. 
And the Bible says they were filled with boldness as the Holy Spirit filled them and the place shook with the power of God. And then you go read the next few chapters. Man, I'm telling you, things happened that had never happened before. Like the city was bringing their sick out into the streets on mats and beds, just hoping that even the shadow of Peter would go across them and they'd get healed. There's weird things began to happen. They started using Paul's aprons and handkerchiefs to lay on people because he couldn't be there. So they got something from him. And I know, you've seen the televangelists do this. Maybe. I've seen it. And you go, oh, please. If you send me $100, I'll send you a blessed handkerchief. I've seen that on the televangelists. But I'll tell you what I have seen. We're praying for a, a, a school teacher, a, a young lady one night terribly, terribly tormented by the enemy. And we knew, even though we were praying for and she was getting set free, that she was going to leave the place and fear was going to come on her again because we couldn't go with her. She was placing security in us. And all of a sudden, a medical doctor in our prayer group said, he ran out of the room, came back in with a handkerchief. I said, what are you doing? And he said, I just remember reading about Paul's handkerchief laying on somebody and it, it, it just set them free. Take this home. When you feel the oppression of the enemy, lay it on you. God will do something. This is a scientific person saying that. Crazy. God was doing extraordinary things. Why? Because they didn't pray for safety. They prayed for opportunity. The enemy's camp began to tremble. The Bible said, you know, in Romans, at the end of the book of Romans, Paul declared this, very soon, very soon, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. That is one of the boldest statements you will ever read. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.